0: Welcome to another ATP podcast, I'm Seb Lozier and this week is a big one. After eight days of thrilling action in Turin, it is world number one, Novak Djokovic, who has beaten home favourite Yannick Sinner to claim yet another record. It's a history-making seventh NITO ATP finals for the Super Serb.
1: Novak, congratulations to finish the season with yet another record and to play the way you have played. How special is this moment right here? Very, very
2: special. Uh, one of the best seasons I've had in my life, no doubt. Uh, to crown it with a win against uh, you know hometown hero, obviously Yannick, who has played uh, amazing tennis this week, is is phenomenal. You know, I'm um, I'm very proud of the performances these last two days against Alcaraz and and Sinner, you know, probably the best two players uh, in the world, you know, next to me and Medvedev at the moment. And the way they have been playing, uh, I had to step it up. I had to, you know, win the matches and not wait for them to hand me the victory. And uh, that's that's what I've done. I think I've tactically played different today than I have in the group stage against Yannick and just overall a phenomenal week.
1: You have won so many big titles, but it's not every day that your kids are here watching courtside. How much extra motivation did they give you?
2: Yeah, they're, you know, they, they've been so good, uh, you know, the last couple of days watching tennis and uh, you know, it's, it's a thrill, you know, I always wanted to perform in front of them uh, once they reach the age that they are aware of what's going on yeah. and uh, i think this is the age right now they're both conscious of what's happening and uh, you know i'm so so grateful to to be a father of these two wonderful angels they blessed me with so much happiness and joy in my life and love and you know they give me strength no doubt
1: wonderful to you congratulations thank you <laughs>
2: Novak
0: Djokovic, righting the wrongs from the group stages where he lost to the young Italian. And the title, not the only cause for celebration either. Earlier in the week, he was presented with the year-end number one trophy for the eighth time in his career. And on Monday, the records will show 400 weeks at the
2: very top of the game. Well, it was amazing, obviously, starting the year. Um, I knew that probably schedule-wise I won't play as much uh, on the tour as maybe probably other players. So, you know, I, I don't know if I fancied my chances to, to end the season as number one, but uh, I was fortunate to play, you know, so well in those 11 or 12 tournaments that I participated in and uh, accumulated a lot of points, obviously, in Grand Slams and the 1000 category Masters events. So. That put me in a great position uh, to end the season as, as number one. I was coming into the World Tour Finals knowing that I need uh, one victory to, to clinch the year in number one. So, obviously, there was a lot of tension, a lot of emotions on the court in my first match uh, and I really wanted that win, the, fir- the first match already and obviously huge relief. Uh, the great goal is achieved for this season and uh, it was very nice to be able to celebrate it with packed house
1: uh, here in Turin. I mean, we could see the relief. You were dancing in the locker room beforehand. Was it a, a big monkey off the back?
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, when you're chasing big goals, it's it's always lots of expectations and a uh, lot of, I guess, pressure. I mean, excitement as well. You know, it's a big drive, it's a big motivation, but it doesn't get higher than these kind of achievements. You know, being number one in the world, ending the season as number one and winning Grand Slams, those are the pinnacle of, um, you know, achievements of our sport. So. Um, there's always uh, tension, I guess, in anticipation for, you know, realization of these objectives and, and goals, and it was a huge relief, obviously, being able to uh, have the full team here with me. Um, I always have to mention them because it's always a team effort. You know, in the end of the day, I was alone on the court receiving the trophy, but, you know, it's always um, important mentioning their contribution to, to this success as well.
1: I mean, to do all of this at 36 is unbelievable. How would you rank this season overall in your career?
2: Uh, one of the best, no doubt. The, the amount of tournaments, probably the least that I ever played in my, in my career and winning you know, 50% of the tournaments that I played this year, three out of four slams, so, and clinching the year number one, it's definitely one of the best seasons I had. Uh, no doubt, um, still at 36 going
1: strong, so, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of it. And it'll be 400 weeks at number one as well. Do you think that'll be a record really tough to beat for, for a lot of years? Well, nothing
2: is impossible, you know. Um, you have the likes of Alcaraz, Sinner, Rune, you know, these guys are very young. They still have a lot more years in their careers that they um, where they can achieve great things in sport, so Never say never. Um, I think say, same was said for Sampras' record or Feathers' record, but you know records are there to be broken, and normally that's a kind of a guiding star in terms of motivation for players. So um, yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty good achievement. You know, 400 weeks is number one. Uh, never been done in history, but you know uh, I wouldn't say it. it's it's, it's um, going to be eternally there. You know, I think someone will eventually break it, but uh, hopefully it stays there for a long time.
0: Novak Djokovic speaking with Ersin Kaderas. So, not to be this time
2: for Yannick
0: Sinner, but a place in the final to cap a wonderful year. Four titles including a first Masters 1000. There's no doubt the young magician will bounce back
3: even stronger next
0: year with wand in hand.
3: Now, for sure the the racket is the, the the most important tool for for all tennis players, so you you need the right records. Um Every player is different, he's looking for a different kind of thing. That What I look for is uh, good speed, but also good control. Um, I try to produce the spin by myself a little bit, um, so I have to feel the racket in the right way, but for me it's more important how how fast the ball goes out of the... Out of the strings and the racket, and um, and obviously you need a lot of control because I feel like every year the balls and and and, and the courts are getting so much faster, so you need also a lot of control.
4: So if you're playing a match, what would happen that makes you then go to your racket provider afterwards? Would it be that the balls flying long and therefore you need more control, or what actually happens to prompt you? No,
3: so usually that would. Sometimes the players do, it's obviously depends on what altitude you play. And, um, and, and then higher usually you play, then tighter you string uh, the racket. Um, that's what I don't do. I never change the kilos with uh, with my racket and, and strings. So um, for me, I honestly, I've never changed the racket. For the last, um, um, I don't know, uh, five six years. So I I, I always stick with the, a very simple racket, which I think everyone can can play with, which is uh, not difficult racket. Um, and obviously, uh, Head rackets is uh, are the best rackets for for my uh, for my kind of game style. So I'm very happy to be part of.
4: Now, Head are based in Austria. If you go to their headquarters might you say to them can you put a bit of metal tape on it to change the balance or what what would you ask them to do to make it customized for you? Well
3: and what I said is um, for sure at some point of my career I I I will need to change a little bit of the racket that what I feel right now is that the racket gives me everything what I ask for Um, the good thing is that when you ask something they can do it immediately so if you want to add the balance in a different way they can do it immediately um a little bit heavier but the balance stays the same they can do it immediately um if you want to change completely they can do it so it's 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 kind of also you know you you play a little bit also with 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 uh, with the rackets and you know this gives you a a good flexibility about what you're looking for and what you want um but at the moment i don't I don't ask nothing. I'm very happy with them and and
4: all the rackets are the same, um, which is also very important. I know that they have a few practice courts next to their uh, laboratory. Do they ever give you say five or six rackets each with tiny little differences and say, "Go on, hit with those, and tell us which ones you are, are, are the best so
3: usually um, um, because we play every day, we feel immediately the and the difference with uh, with every record, even if it's uh, a very small difference. But sometimes it's also nice to see if if we feel it in the right way as they say, because they also need the confirmation of the records and the information. I haven't done it already f- for a while now, so it would be very interesting for me to see how how I. Yeah, how I react to this, but in the other way, it's, um, that's very, very important, you know, when they produce the records and then after you can try them in the same place and they can change it up very, very fast. And um, this is really, really good.
0: One man who shares common ground with both finalists is data analyst and coach, Craig O'Shaughnessy, part of Team Djokovic for a number of years. He now helps the Italian Federation with data analysis.
5: You go back to when I when I first started with them. Um, I was hired as one of several consultants. The Italian Federation kind of looked internally and said, you know, we don't really have the resources to become the best federation in the world at the moment. Um, so let's go out in the world and find the experts, hire them, bring them in, consult to us, teach us, um, so that you know we can have the best information. And that's kind of where it started. And, you know, there's several times I've been introduced uh, doing my presentations and Michelangelo Delladera, he is the brains behind this renaissance in Italian tennis. And, and many times when he's introducing me, he's like, if Craig says we're going to serve more, we're going to serve more. If Craig says we're going to return more, you go out there and return more. It's like, we're all in with this guy. We're all in with the strategy. We're all in with the analytics. We want to be the number one country in the world that is consuming the analytics, that is taking it from the pro tour, um, injecting it into the junior levels. And, you know, that mentality has put them ahead. There's a lot of other federations out there that either want to do it themselves, do it internally, and they just don't have the resources or the knowledge or the or the understanding. Um, whereas the Italian Federation have, have really embraced that. Secondly, probably in eight years that I've worked with them, or definitely in eight years that I've worked with them, I have never heard one Italian coach speak poorly about another. There is not one knife I've seen that's thrown. Not not out of jealousy, not out of looking at somebody and saying, I think I'm a better coach than him. You know, they're they're family. You know, they all have the same clothes. They all walk the same walk. They all, um, you know, go through this system of coach education that is very progressive, that there's a ton of it, so, you know, it is one big family. It, it really is. And uh, I think that sets them apart. A lot of other federations you talk to, it's not quite like that. They maybe want to be like that, <laughs> and I'm sure they do, but uh, I've never seen anything like it. That's I, anywhere in the world. Yeah. So um, with what they do, uh, you know, the, you look at how progressive they are in creating the, um, the next-gen uh, finals which was bringing those young kids here. That's a raging success. Now uh, they've got the ATP finals that were in um, London for a long time. It's now here. They've put so many entry-level tournaments, like $15,000 tournaments in, that the kids are all getting so much exposure at a younger age. So anything you can do as a federation to promote, and, and I think a huge part of it is Let's say there's a kid that gets becomes good. Matteo Berrettini is a good example. He starts off at a club in Rome. He's eight years old. He's number one. His coach when he's eight is Vincenzo Santapadrè, and you know he's top ten in the world, and his coach is still Vincenzo. So. You know the the federation is going to look at these coaches with good players and say how best can we help you some some coaches will say we need a physio our players injured all the time another one's saying we need a travel budget to go to all these other countries another one's going to say we just we need more equipment we need we need a um, part of a bigger team we need a national coach to help us out and the italian federation says great we'll give you that so their ability to support players is second to none. They're, they're outstanding in That's that area.
6: That's great to hear. I mean, you can see it. You can see how they get along. All of them get along as well and support each other. When you were brought in eight years ago, what was the biggest, I guess, eye-opener for you that, like, wow, this needs to change right away? Was there something in particular?
5: Or was it multiple things? Um, well, Italian tennis, because of the general, Michelangelo Della Dera, is so passionate about what, what he's doing with everything with italian tennis you know and he said at the start in front of everybody is like again we're all in with this guy um and and just a very quick story with that i was in bari where he's from and he's introducing me so i can you know i don't speak great italian um but i understand some words and he 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 talks about the five revolutions in in tennis so the first revolution being beyond borg you know with the spin with the ice man you know Borg changed tennis with the way that he composed himself and the way he's played. The second revolution was Yvonne Lendl, with, which is a good player, but he worked so hard and all of a sudden became a great player, became a legend of our sport through hard work. The second, re- the third revolution was Nick Bollettieri. Nick created the first academy. Now everyone in the world has academies. We've all followed Nick. The fourth revolution was um, the, the technology. We've gone from wooden rackets to state-of-the-art, particularly with the strings as well. So, you know, that that has been a big revolution. And he's standing there, and I'm standing next to him, and he he says, okay, the fifth revolution in tennis is standing to my left. It's analytics. And if Craig says that we, you know, going to the net is better than staying at the baseline, we're going to go to the net. If we need to practice more from the return, we're going to do it. We are going to be the number one country that follows analytics. We are not going to guess about our sport. We are are all in. So um, anything he says, I want to hear... That you're doing it on your practice courts all over Italy in the next few months, so that was very, very encouraging for me to hear.
0: So there you have it. Some of the reasons why Yannick Sinner, Lorenzo Musetti, and Matteo Berrettini are on the rise, along with a number of even younger Italians, some of whom will be in action at the upcoming Next Gen ATP Finals in Jeddah. More on that later. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. In the doubles, Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury made it two NITO ATP Finals titles in a row as they overcame Marcel Granoyer and Horacio Ceballos.
1: I don't know what to say, to be honest. Uh, we, we love this place. This is the biggest tournament we play on the ATP calendar all year and uh, you know, to win it twice in a row is uh, something that I, I never would have thought of and I'm so proud of. It's honestly been a joy to watch you guys play this week. What about your tennis has made you so effective in these last few days? I think we've kind
2: of got better throughout the week. Um, I think that was probably our best match. Maybe we are along with the, the semi-final yesterday, um, but I think we've served well and we've yeah, I don't think we've got broken many times this week, which on these courts, quick courts is tough to yeah, it's tough to break and and we we did that really well and uh, managed to take the the few chances we got today i think we got
1: a little bit of the the luck as well but it seems like uh yeah it seems like we get it in this place but yeah we we love it here when you say you got better by the day does that also mean because you came in as the number six did your confidence grow by the day as well uh, i mean sure i don't think it had anything to do with number six i think we're pretty confident about you know where we are if we play well but uh it's just when you get into a tournament and and you keep you know winning match after match confidence definitely grows and you've got 10 wins in a row now on this court what is it about this place is it it can't just be the quick courts (laughs) no i think we
2: love we love playing here i think when when you've played well when you've had good matches here um, brings back those good good feelings and i think um yeah we look to Kind of perform our best at these these big tournaments and build up for them to to be at our best and uh, we've managed to do that the couple the last couple of years so I think we're yeah just really proud of the effort that we've that we've put in, in on and off the court um, this last last few weeks and uh, all of this week. Enjoy
0: this. Congratulations. Thanks so much. Thanks. At one stage, simply reaching Turin looked like success in itself for Raman Salisbury. By their own high standards, they were struggling for form before clinching the U.S. Open title, and that was the theme. When Jill Krabus met with a core member of their coaching team, David O'Hare. They complement
7: each other just extremely well on the court. Um, they've got great teamwork, great synergy, and it's not just it's not just the pair of them. I think I think there's a lot of crossover with the the support staff that they have. Um, you know, they've shared physios for a couple of weeks, which it, actually is a little bit more complicated than than you would think just because they need things at the same time. So that was maybe a little bit of a learning curve, but just getting everyone on the same page. We're very fortunate to have Louis Kaye in the team, um, Brian Smith on, on Raj's side. Now Chris Eaton has joined Rajiv, um, myself and Justin sharing uh, with Joe. So so a lot of people, a lot of, you know, there's analytics peoples behind the scene, there's strength and conditioning on both sides. So it's... Uh, that's it's a lot. A, it's a lot, yeah, which is great. So it's, it's, you know, a lot of support for the guys. Um, and today, our, you know, this year has been a little bit more challenging year for, for them in, in different ways. But, you know, as I said before we came on, U.S. really changed the fate of our season. And, and we're delighted to be back.
6: I was going to ask you about, um, you know, those open conversations I have. Because obviously yeah. sometimes teams, when they start to struggle... You may get a sense, you feel in the background, maybe it's time for a change. Of course, What were some of those deep, honest discussions where they were able to stick together?
7: Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, I think it's very tough. As soon as any one player thinks, oh, oh, he could be doing this better, or there's a little bit more maybe animosity thrown at at each one another and a bit more tension in practice, then it's kind of like, hang on, can we just firstly – have perspective here for a second and can, are we, you know, doing the best that we can do before we're kind of placing judgment on the other guy? Uh, I think we're often quick to, to, to maybe point criticism at at one another and and actually are we doing the best?
6: Did that happen? Yeah. I think there was
7: maybe a little bit, yeah, a little bit of taxing practices and just a little, you know, they're very, they've been such a tight unit for so long, but you spend so much time together, then the small little things start to irritate and, yeah it was kind of just you know ironing that out, and I don't think it's there's no malice in any of it, but people have just been acting this way and and if we were able to have had a more open and you know conversation earlier, then we probably wouldn't have acted these ways, so it was just kind of really ironing it out um and it wasn't you know maybe that sounds a bit you know more <laughs> severe than than it has been but but I think it's you know the reality is it's a relationship, right? Like it's just, it's managing the relationship. That's a large part of the job. And it's maybe off the guys that are struggling, then you bring it up with me and then I can address it. And then we can kind of go around like that. So I think it came, got to a point where, yeah, where they're just able to, to have those conversations with themselves. Yeah. Which, I was just or with ask, one another, I should yeah, say.
6: Yeah, how did you iron it out? Was it just about sitting down? and? Yeah,
7: I think so. So we had a very good I would say after Washington, we had a good chat. So they lost first round in Washington. And after that, we had a really good conversation because after Wimbledon, you know, they lost first round to Wimbledon, which would be a huge goal for the guys to, to perform well there. You know, there was maybe starting to think, oh, maybe this was, maybe we'll just play the rest of the season and then the beginning of the new year, it's always always the case with an olympic year kind of guys tend Mm -hmm. to look to fellow countrymen and optimize chances for a medal so i think people were maybe leaning that way and there's some murmurs that would happen and then i think after washington then we had a good open honest conversation and then yeah our fate changed totally when when we got back to new york and the the good vibes got back into the team and and you know you make history and you share some Special memories as a team, and for particularly for them out on court together. Uh, you know that that changes the dynamic. So I think in this sport, winning goes a long way. Yeah. And and you know when when the team is winning, then you can kind of forget about the little nuances that kind of mm-hmm. irritate you on the day to day. Or you know like that's yeah. Ultimately, when the, when the re- result is a desired one, then you can quickly forget about. I don't know.
8: It may I want be. to
6: talk about the U.S. Open yeah. because it's absolutely incredible. You brought it up, but we were discussing before how three, three in a row, I mean, that's pretty yeah, incredible. Yeah, it's an amazing achievement. And I remember Rajiv saying he thought two defending was an incredible feeling for him, but then to do it a third time, I mean, what was that moment like?
7: Yeah, I think it was surreal just because I think you can even see the emotions. There's a great picture of the pair of them kind of. Heads and the tails after the match, and, and they've they've done it. And I think after the the hardship or the little adversity that they've they've been through this year, uh, probably we're not expecting that result. Um, but since since we hit the ground in in New York, it just felt right to be back. You know, there's definitely something to be said for for a good energy or I'm not sure there's some sort of I'm sure scientific bias towards just feeling good in a certain spot I think every tennis player has that so when you have these fantastic memories it just seems easier to to play better.
0: David O'Hare on the history-making partnership between Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury. Another doubles player carving out his very own niche in tennis history has been 43-year-old Rohan Bopana, who went all the way to the semi-finals in Turin with his partner Matt Ebden and along the way became the oldest player to win at the tour-ending showpiece.
9: A year like this I think has been phenomenal Uh, to have um, uh, Matt Ebden as my partner I think uh, we're both pretty calm on the court and that was really what which has helped us in many ways and also I think having a partner who has already uh, played at a high level, uh, been there at big events and wanting to win big events I think makes a difference and uh, I think that's what really helped the partnership and we both wanted to uh, work on similar goals uh, and Uh, yeah just enjoying and being happy you know uh, competing and uh, you know on the tour
4: the statistics say you're 43 years old when we see you on the court it's hard to believe what's the secret of staying young
9: the statistics is definitely right on the 43 <laughs> yeah but uh, I, you know i think the the number one thing is my mental strength i think the ability to uh, adapt to situations on uh, where uh, uh, the game really challenges me in terms of uh, bringing the best out of me and I think that is where I'm thankful that my brain is thinking, <laughs> you know, at times, uh, you know, as tennis players, the brain switches off and you do, and you just go with, uh, uh, you know, your instincts and, uh, you know, thankfully that uh, aspect is one of my biggest strengths and uh, constantly able to Persevere to get better, uh, you know, uh, is what has I think uh, helped me at this age and, uh, you know, to focus a lot on recovery as well, I think has made a big difference. You know, there are days when I've told Ebden that I don't want to practice because my body isn't feeling great, but I'd rather be 100% for the match. Uh, you know, then be about uh, 60, 80 uh, percent. You know, during the match, and I rather take those day offs, uh, recover, the, you know, and make sure my body is ready. And I think these are the small changes which has kind of really helped uh, the growth uh, in the game. And uh, uh, yeah, and I really believe that um, uh, you know, Matt and me as a team, every time we step onto the court or play any event, I think we have a you know, fantastic opportunity to. Uh, win the tournament, and that's what I think I set as a part.
4: Is it just a question of taking a little bit of time off, or have you been doing anything different technically? Do you have more ice baths than you used to, or I mean, anything specific?
9: Uh, yeah the recovery has definitely increased in terms of uh, making sure I do specific kind of training in terms of uh, 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 where uh, now I'm focusing a lot on my quads and glutes and hamstrings because strengthening them because I don't have cartilages on my knees they're fully worn out and uh, you know that aspect few years ago I was I was strengthening but not enough in terms of I still had kind of pain you know playing in the matches and uh, today I am pain free and I think uh, I give a lot of credit to my physio Rebecca who was uh, you know when she came in um, to work uh, with me uh, uh, alongside this tour uh, I specifically told her what uh, challenges I had and I want to you know focus on those aspects and uh, and including strengthening. I think, uh, like you mentioned, the ice baths have definitely increased. Uh, I do it every single day. Even when I'm not on the tour back home, I'm making sure I do it because I think that has really helped me recover a lot better and uh, you know I've also adapted some yoga uh, in my training regime and I think uh, that is a big aspect which has added a lot of benefits in terms of uh, not only uh, having some inner strength but also helping the mind focus a lot better. What has uh, helped there is I don't feel rushed on the tennis court. I feel that I have enough time to really think and adapt to the situation And uh, no matter what the situation is, whether it's a set point down, match point down, I'm still able to really calm myself and focus on what I need to do or we need to do as a team. And that, I think, uh, all these aspects coming together has kind of really helped the change on uh, playing better tennis.
4: What sort of yoga and how long a day or how, how often do you do it?
9: Uh, so it's called the ayengar Yoga. It's a very different uh, type of yoga, which uses kind of a lot of props in terms of chairs, ropes, blocks. So uh, when I am traveling by myself, it's a little difficult because I do need somebody to you know help me out. And uh, I'd love for my yoga teacher to travel with me. But when you have a coach and a physio already traveling, and plus a yoga teacher, it's I don't know if I'll be making any money out there, you know, because it's uh, pretty expensive to you know already have so many people traveling with you, and when you don't really have too. Much of support. Uh, yeah, so the, uh, that uh, I started this during the pandemic. Um, uh, my cousin sister she actually mentioned for the condition I have, or no cartilages on my knees, uh, she's a yoga teacher, but uh, not this style of Iyengar. And she said that for your condition, you need Iyengar uh, yoga, that is spelt as I Y E N G A R. Um, uh, and it has truly made, uh, you know, tremendous of a difference. I think uh, uh, the couple Mohan and Jaya who I was working with in India uh, really took up uh, on themselves to see this challenge as something new to, uh, you know, figure out how they can really help and benefit. And I think they... Uh, really push me to you know some high limits in uh, in terms of uh, finding the best you know for me and uh, Mohan always says that I have a high tolerance for pain so I think he can push me as far as I can go and I think that has made a big impact of course when I'm traveling I do some just basic stuff uh, Uh, maybe about 20 minutes every single morning when I wake up uh, you know it just refreshes me gives me some new perspective uh, you know and uh, yeah that has I think made a uh, huge change and a big step for my growth in this sport
4: you've been in three masters 1000 finals you went to the US Open final and in that final in the final set you gave a point away which your partner hit a winner on because you said the ball brushed your arm on the way through was that an instinctive reaction? How did that come about?
9: Uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, that was absolutely instinctive. And, uh, you know, I felt the ball brush my brush my arm. I know nobody there noticed it. But uh, that's the upbringing I've had to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, uh, no matter... You know where the situation or what the situation is, uh, I feel that was the right thing to do and I I didn't even think twice when I uh, you know called it upon myself Uh, and uh, no matter uh, next time it happens if I'm a match point down as well I think I'll still do the same thing and uh, I think I'm uh, thankful uh, you know to my parents who have brought me up uh, the right way and taught me the right values and uh, and I felt you know that's what showed in that final. There you go, Ice baths, yoga and
0: meditation all lie on the path to eternal youth. Who knew? Another doubles player defying father time is 39-year-old Frenchman Edouard Roger Vasselin, who along with Mexican partner Santiago Gonzalez has had one of the best seasons of his career and is already looking forward to a good 2024, which includes, for him, a home Olympic Games.
10: It sounds crazy. It sounds amazing. So it's uh, honestly, I, I still don't know how it's going to be. Um, I have to focus myself to to play well and be and qualify. That's the first thing to do. But even though just to 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 uh, be in Paris, to live in Paris, and have uh, all the people coming uh, all over the world to for sports, it's something. It's once in a lifetime. So yeah. that's why it's definitely something that I'm looking forward. Um if I can play there, it will be amazing. But just to to be part of the show somehow, to be in Paris, it's uh, incredible.
6: Crossing your fingers that you're there. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I want to talk about also off-season a little bit. Because yep. you guys, obviously it's a long calendar year. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's getting longer every year. How, how do you go about your off-season? And what's the most important thing for you during that time? Uh,
10: during that time is to to um, to be fresh, I mean to recharge the batteries or take a little bit time off uh, with the family. Uh, usually, we, we try to find a, a nice beach with uh, with sun and a good temperature. Uh, but after that, like yeah, we need one week to, to no, no no racket. Sometimes ten days, no racket at all. And then and then when you start to to play again uh, to practice again, it's more about. I mean, I like to do a lot of other sports. I like to bike, I like to um, play uh, uh, football, I like to uh, swim, uh, just to, yeah, to feel fresh and to be ready when the, start, when the season starts again, uh, not to have too much uh, practice of tennis uh, in the back, because uh, if you start the season in Australia and you're already tired of tennis, it's, it's not good. Yeah. So I try to play not much, maybe two or three times a week, uh, and, uh, and the rest I try to do a lot of other sports.
0: While Bopana and Roger Vasselin are still out there performing at the highest level, others have decided to call time this year on illustrious careers. This week in Turin, a number of those players were honoured on court, including Pablo Andujar, Oliver Marac, Thomas Bellucci, and the first of them to talk with Jill Krabus, Frenchman Jeremy Shardy. (laughs)
11: on court one against uh, Alcaraz in Wimbledon since Uh, my last match uh, I didn't play once
6: no you have no desire to hit right now need a break
11: Uh, I mean it's uh, it's a little bit different my situation because uh, now I'm coaching for one year and a half so I was coaching and playing now I stop to play And uh, when I lost against Alcaraz, the day after I was on court with uh, Hugo, Mm -hmm. practicing Um, and uh, getting ready for his match. And since I travel every week with him, so I think it's different. Because if I was not playing and not close to tennis, maybe I will miss tennis. Mm. But I'm every day on on the tennis court, so, (laughs) so I didn't have time to miss tennis.
6: And you're not hitting with him?
11: No, like it's difficult to to play with this player because you know he's. Uh, I mean, it's difficult to to play, to watch him, to give him advice. is uh, not easy. I prefer to be on the side, be close to him, and and uh, have someone to play with him.
6: Will you continue to coach next year?
11: Yeah, yeah, we're gonna continue next year. Uh, he had a really good year this year, uh, so we are really happy and. Uh, and it's funny because I, uh, I never thought I will coach. <laughs> uh, he called me two days after my surgery and said, I stopped with my whole team. Uh, his ranking was really bad. He said, can you help me for the six months during wow. your rehab? And I say, yeah, let's do it. Uh, if I can help you and give, me, give you my experience and uh, everything I learned during my career, I will be, I will be happy. And uh, here we are, one year and a half after, I'm still on tour. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well I was going to ask you what what is it about what you learn about your career that you feel like you can help these younger players the most important things I mean I know there's plenty but the most important thing Yeah uh,
11: it's not easy to find only one but uh, I think it's the the way to manage the uh, the emotion um, you know like sometimes when you're young you you focus you're nervous you it's difficult to to like be really focused and when you finish with the practice to be really relaxed and enjoy and focus again and uh, I think it's really important to learn how to do that because uh, the year is really long. We have a, a new tournament every week and uh, I think you have to try to keep your energy and keep happiness on tour uh, because you cannot be focused all the time and focus only tennis, tennis, tennis all the time. You need to to refresh and uh, get energy for something else.
6: How did you refresh?
11: I mean, it's di- different from for everybody. Uh, depends what you like to do, but... Uh,
6: yeah, you specifically.
11: I, oh, me, I, I like to, to spend time with, uh, with people. I love people in general, so so uh, that's why during my whole career I, I, I get friends everywhere in the world. So I'm really happy all the time when I come back to a tournament to to see all all these people and spend time with them. So as soon as I finish practice, I go out, dinner with them. And uh, and it's <laughs> how I, I like to do.
6: Oh, that's a good way to be. Um, I want to ask you, do you have some favorite memories on the tour? I know that's tough.
11: I mean, yeah, there is uh, always some special moment. The, the first one was in Wimbledon Junior because it was the beginning of Junior something is, for me. Oh, okay. Because you know, it's uh, the moment you, you 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 don't know if you if you're gonna if you're gonna be a tennis player, and uh, you know it's the beginning of yeah. your career. Uh, after my one of my first wild in in Roland was 2008, I was 180 or something like this in the world, and uh, I play fourth round. Became top 100 for the first time in Roland hours, so it was special. Oh, that's cool. Uh, when we won the Davis Cup, uh, you know, it's, it's the only time you can share something with uh, other people or the player, like a team, because in tennis you you don't share with uh, other people. So it's something special and really cool. And uh, I think one of the best one for sure is when I beat Roger too, because yes. some, someone I respect a lot. I, uh, I mean. He's a legend, and he's a really nice guy. Uh, uh, I'm, I was close to him when he was playing, and uh, for me to beat him was a big achievement, and uh, I put it like on the top of my CV, you know?
6: Yeah, I would too. I'm
11: going to take it.
6: I definitely would do that too. Thomas Bellucci, congratulations on an amazing career. How are you feeling about everything that you've accomplished?
12: I'm very proud of uh, everything that i achieved. So as a Brazilian, it's not easy. We don't have uh, so many support. So my family helps me a lot in the, in the, in the trail to become a player. So I'm very happy because uh, I had so many years playing the big, tur- big tournaments, uh, uh, playing, I guess, uh, playing, against uh, top players. So I'm very proud.
6: How did you know that it was time to stop for you? It's never an easy decision.
12: No, it's not easy. It's not an easy decision. But I mean, the last two or three years I was uh, getting injured uh, often so I couldn't uh, practice too much so I had, uh, I was very disappointed because uh, I wasn't playing the same level that I used to play so I was t- starting to feel that I'd, maybe it was the time that I had to give up and, uh, and get retired so uh, maybe in the two or three years it was very tough to me but uh, you have to accept because uh, in the end you have to in some, some point, you have to retired, so I think was the the right time.
6: Do you feel settled with the decision?
12: No, uh, I'm I'm good now. Good like now. Uh, yeah. at the beginning, it's not easy because your 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 life changed completely. But uh, now I'm uh, I'm feeling that was the the right the right time.
6: What do you feel like you'll miss the most?
12: I think the matches, the competition. <laughs> not, not the, yeah the yeah. competition, not the practice, <laughs> <laughs> only the matches, like to to play in the big stadiums. Uh, against big players, so that's I think was the the most special moments uh, in my my in tennis for me.
6: Are there particular moments that stick out to you that are some of your favorite memories?
12: I think uh, the most special was uh, playing playing I guess uh, against uh, big players like Federer, Djokovic, Nadal. Mm-hmm. Always uh, play playing against these these guys are are very. Uh, they, they were my idols so for me it was very special to play, play against them but also play, playing playing uh, uh, in Brazil was very special as well like uh, being the fans uh, all the time uh, cheering for me supporting me so it was very special as well but I don't know it's very difficult to, to pick just one moment <laughs>
6: yeah and for you what's next for you do you have any idea what you'd like to do now
12: I want to be involved in tennis but uh the the one thing that I that I really know that I don't want to travel anymore. <laughs> I've been traveling <laughs> Understandably so much. So, yeah. Yeah, I've been traveling so much for 20 years, so I want to be at home, like maybe working with uh, tennis uh, like uh, in, my, in my town, uh, teaching, uh, coaching uh, some other players. But What's your town again? São Paulo. São Paulo, okay. Yeah, Brazil. Yeah. So it's quite far, but uh, I like to be with my family a little bit and mm-hmm. chilling a little bit, not traveling like I was in the, 25 years.
6: <laughs> what do you feel like tennis has taught you the most?
12: Discipline and uh, resilience, like uh, lost match, and then the next day you have to practice. So for me, it was a challenge like, because uh, I'm, Brazi- I'm Brazilian, so I have to sometimes uh, go to Europe, spend like three months without coming back home. So for me, it was very challenging to to keep playing the tournaments and uh in some phases that I wasn't playing very well so I have to to be very resilient to to keep practicing and and getting better during the during the week during the year.
6: Oliver Marak congratulations on an amazing career Thank first of nice. all how are you feeling and how did you come to the decision that you knew it was time for you to stop playing tennis
13: well uh, decision was because of my family because mm-hmm. I have two kids and um, at the final stage I would say after pandemic I didn't start it really well and uh, so it was also financially not seeing the kids uh, I would say okay I, I was 24 years on the tour and now it's time to be there my, my wife sacrificed a lot a lot of time not seeing me and um, they have been traveling with me also on tour but uh, it was a good decision I w- I, when you are by yourself happy as a player I think that's, that's mm-hmm. the right mindset then to stop
6: was it Some players struggle with the decision. How, how was your experience? Where, did you know right away, or did you struggle for a bit?
13: Well, I always, I think uh, when players struggle in decision, I, I think they did maybe bad decisions in life for, I would say, uh, it's important to have a backup already early when you do your money. And I think a lot of sportsmen in general, not tennis players, but they, they don't know how to invest. There's not courses out there. Uh, I was lucky I had my wife and she took care about our money. When I did money, we invested smart. Um, when you have a family, then you think about your kids that they have, for example, great education and that they have a great setup. And you can't think just materialistic, but most sportsmen waste their money in materialistic stuff. So I was lucky to have that backup from my wife. She said, no, we do this and that. And, and yeah, we, are, we have a very good setup. I never had to worry about anything there Mm -hmm. and and that's why I I was really happy.
6: How old are your kids?
13: My kids uh, right now, my little daughter is eight years old and my older one is 11.
6: Do they play tennis?
13: Um, Well, they played a little bit tennis, (laughs) but I don't force them, you know, but it's like like my parents also, they never forced me to play. But um, right now they really love um, soccer and my older one plays basketball too. So I'm happy they do sports, that's the most important, whatever it is. And if tennis pumps in later a little bit more, I'm happy. If not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not angry or anything.
6: Why do you feel like it's the most important thing to get kids involved in sports?
13: Well, I, I, I think it's something necessary. What you need in life, sports is uh, like in early ages. I did a lot of different kind of sports alone for the coordination skills, and. Um, You need sports. I mean, if you look now, the the doctors, if you follow the famous doctors nowadays, like, I completely changed my living style. Like, um, when I played professional, I was doing no weights and more... Uh, gymnastic and, and, and balanced programs and uh, now I started to be more, uh, live longer and what is more healthy for your body you should do a lot of weights much more so I changed that now so it's, it's really in general I think sports you need to have this as a, as a tool it, it's it also to have I would say consistency in life every success comes with su- uh, a consistency in life and sports it's a must inside that.
6: And what has tennis taught you the most about life?
13: Well, for, for me, um, as I traveled alone, uh, with I think as I left Austria with 18. So wow. finding, I would say, seeing so many different countries, so many different characters out there, how you talk with people, how you, you also start to, to realize what is good for you, what not, managing skills planning skills i I did i never had really i I had a manager but i did all by myself i still do it and um, i think it's a great tool to have discipline one of the most important things and and yeah it it helps me um of course uh if 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 i think now back i would be not the guy to sit in the office from Mm. 90 late and it's not possible if you're a sportsman you never think like that Um, and so I, I also choose a way now after my career. I, I'm still involved in tennis. I'm even still back on the tour. I'm coaching now too. So I was going
6: to ask you what you wanted yeah. to do. Yeah, coaching. Yeah, so, so we I'm, need you out there.
13: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I after after I stopped, I did half a year nothing to see and think about. Okay, what I like and 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 I have different setups also in Panama. I have real estate. I opened a physiotherapy this year. Nice and. Um, I had my, a few clients in tennis, kids in Panama, then a few clients in the States from high school, and then I do two, two, two gigs on a private island in Bahamas a year. But um, my former partner came up to me, uh, Mate Pavic, so um, if I can help him out in the US tour this year. So I was with him from Cincinnati till US Open on the tour. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot to be back. A different kind of stress as a coach, how I have so? to say, I have to say it's very tough outside. It's, it's very emotional for me. I'm more nervous as I am by myself on the court playing. So that I have to start handling that better because <laughs> <laughs> nerve <heartbreaking> stuff. Especially, <laughs> especially in doubles with this Champions tiebreak and that. But um, I really enjoyed it a lot to be back on the tour. Um, of course, I practiced then again really hard and as hitting partner almost I would say, and I really like it. Um, and yeah now i'm i'm ready we're gonna go together also to australia so nice. we do the australia tour we we'll start with hong kong oakland and and melbourne wow you're
6: the, bouncing right back in yeah
13: yeah, yeah almost uh, two years i was pretty quiet I'm one and a half years but okay. now it's it's really really nice I, I found a happy medium from the extreme traveling like tennis life then uh, to two years just home and and we I spoke with my wife and we say okay happy medium is is the good thing because we're used also to, to be out sometimes so that's a, I do a few weeks next year um, that for the family is also acceptable and and I'm really happy about it.
6: Yeah, I'm here with Pablo Andujar. Congratulations, Pablo, on a very very successful career. And you said you are very very happy and peace with. With your career tell us a little bit about
14: well it was something i had been thinking about around two years already and last year i actually thought to myself it was the right moment i played some tournaments this year um some special ones like madrid or barcelona and i will actually finish in valencia we were we are having a challenger next week uh, so you're finishing next week. Yeah. Oh ah, yes, okay.
6: Yes, yes. Why that one?
14: Because Valencia's my my city. Yeah. I started there with a wild card in the Qualis. There, there used to be a 250. And I had a wild card in the quality. So yeah, that's that's why. And honestly I'm I'm really happy and really really let's say relaxed. Mentally relaxed. <laughs>
6: You it seems like you find you just let a lot of stuff go right there is that correct I
14: think I think all of us right when yeah. you take that decision I think you've been doing that during your whole life so it's been your job it's been your passion but your job as well <clears throat> so that means you have to you know to accept it bit by bit uh, but of course all the duties that you like all the all the small stuff that we have to do on a daily basis, I think, um, yeah, it was something that I was a little bit, how can I say it, tired.
6: Yeah, you won't miss that.
14: No, I don't.
0: Finally this week, with attention now turning to the next-gen ATP finals in Jeddah, Jill Krabus met up with one young man, hoping perhaps one day to be part of proceedings there. Having been pushed to his limits this week as a hitting partner at the NITO ATP Finals. As you'll hear, 18-year-old Stanford University student Nehesh Basafaredi has been on quite some journey to reach this stage.
8: When I was 11 years old, I was playing a national tournament and uh, that was when I had my first like freak incident. And, uh, my kneecap dislocated and I tore part of my cartilage in my Did knee. Did you actually fall? Yeah. Okay. I think I. it was like after a point. It was weird. I, I was like, finishing the point just turned around and next thing i knew i was on the ground oh my um gosh. so i had surgery on my knee then to repair the cartilage this and is then your left knee my right yeah. knee oh, your right knee sorry. yeah okay. and then i recovered from that and then i tore my meniscus and then i had to have that repair I had to have that In repair the same, same knee yeah same knee oh and then gosh. i guess that never fully healed so a couple years later that kind of came back up again and i had to repair it one more time so i've had three knee right knee operations and then uh last year i was having some wrist issues basically throughout the whole year So I tried some cortisone shots and everything, and it didn't end up working out. So I had a left wrist surgery last year. Oh, my gosh. To repair a torn ligament. And how are you feeling now? Uh, I feel good now, uh, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have to do a lot of rehab every day just to make sure um, everything in my body is doing well and healthy. But at the moment, I'm feeling good. Okay, well, now I'm
6: curious. You have to give me a typical day of what you're a training day would look like plus fitness plus rehab
8: yeah Uh, because
6: that seems like a full day
8: yeah i mean tennis varies like when i'm at school i obviously have classes that i need to go do so maybe i'll play like two two and a half hours three hours a day um but before every practice session i do some sort of stretching dynamic warm-up for at least for about an hour 45 minutes to an hour and then after i need to stretch again for another like 45 minutes but on top of that do some knee work Uh, just to stay balanced, some wrist, shoulder work, things like that, just maintenance and prehab.
6: Well, we're excited for when you make your way onto the pro tour, but you've had this great opportunity here in Turin at the Nido finals to be a hitting partner for some of these top eight singles and doubles teams. Um, What exactly, specifically, have you learned both on and off off the court from these guys?
8: I mean, on the court, they obviously all have a really good focus and intensity and know exactly what they want to be working on in each session and um off the court I think I can still learn more but I mean they're they're all doing all the right things to stay healthy and make sure that they're 100 percent on the court so I mean just to keep it big picture um obviously like maybe when you have good results you want to maybe get ahead of yourself sometimes but just trying to really focus on improving and like the results will come at some point yeah. i guess and you don't have to rush anything you're yeah. still pretty young so
6: yes yeah. yeah and then going forward from here i mean you obviously you're here at the terrain but you know about next gen as well yeah is that something that you've watched is that something that's a goal of yours to be at that because it's a another premier yeah. event for the 21 and under
8: yeah yeah i've seen that event the last couple of years since it started and yeah that, that's a goal for sure in the next next years um maybe next year or the years after i think i've three or four years left to to play that so yeah hopefully I can be there in the, in the future it seems like it's a really cool event and all the juniors or the young guys really enjoy it
0: and that is exactly where we will be next week as we build up to the next gen ATP finals in Jeddah remember if you love tennis there is a whole heap of live action highlights and features on tennis tv download and subscribe for everything else from life on tour go to atptour.com I'm Seb Lozier thanks for listening see you next time